following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, open up your Bibles or electronic device that has a Bible on it. We are in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Luke is on, if you have an actual Bible, the right-hand side. It's in the uh, Gospels, as we call them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in front of you. Uh, You'll want to grab, I believe it has a brown cover. If you grab the blue cover, you're going to be lost, and you're going to start to sing, and everybody's going to look at you, and that's going to be awkward on multiple levels. (laughs) So Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse uh, 39. And we're going to go all the way to 45. Great. It's been said that uh, we don't live on explanations, but we live on promises. And if there's one thing after uh, this year and last year uh, that has continued to prove true and is the only thing that is true, it is the promises of God. The news media and outlets and all those other things that uh, throw information at our face seem to come and go, but God's promises always prove true. Dr. Bob Cook used to say, if you can explain what's going on, then God didn't do it. Elizabeth's husband, his name is Zachariah. Maybe you know this story, maybe you don't, but he didn't believe in God's promises, and so because of that, he couldn't talk until his son was born. We learn about that in Luke chapter 1, verse 18. But Mary, she gives a song, and she reveals that she knew the Old Testament promises well. Most likely, she knew Hannah's praise song in 1 Samuel 2, verse 1 through 11. And what Paul says, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another way to say this was D.L. Moody said, I used to think that I should close uh, my Bible and pray for faith. But the older he got, he said, I came to see that it was from studying the word that I was to get faith. And we've been studying God's word this year as we always do And what we're learning is the more we study God's word, the more we look at his promises, the more we see his people, the more we can trust these promises and put them into our everyday life. And we get peace in our souls, regardless of the storms that are raging in our society or even in our homes. Now, Luke chapter one, verse 39 through 45, this is a familiar Bible story. In the months before Jesus was born, Mary travels to nearby town to visit her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant. She's expecting a child, which is what pregnant means. (laughs) And as soon as Mary spoke, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, it says in Luke 1.44, leapt for joy. There is excitement of both of these women because of the presence of God with them. And so today, what we're going to do is, as we study this scripture, 
We're going to try to recapture that joy that was experienced by these two ladies and see if we can put that in our everyday lives. We're going to try to refocus our attention from the busyness of the outside world and put Christ back at the center of Christmas while we await our future home. And so here's three ways that we have from this text to keep Christ at the center of Christmas. This is my prayer for you as you start this week. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose, and she goes with haste. Every time I see that word haste, I always think she's mad. (laughs) She goes into the hill country to a town in Judah. Verse 40. She enters into the house of Zechariah, and she greets her relative Elizabeth. Pause there for a second. Well, we need to understand, and, and maybe this is, uh, this is new to you, like you, you came because your kids were singing, or maybe you came because somebody invited you, or you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know how I got here this morning, I'm just here, right? First of all, we do this every Sunday, so you can come back if you want, all right? It's, it's, it's a good time. Um, you watch me stumble and fumble through announcements, which is awesome, and then every so often I stumble and fumble through sermons, but regardless of what happens Every Sunday we meet, something awesome happens, and there is joy when we as believers gather. My favorite day of the week is Sunday, when all God's people come to God's house and we worship together. Look at verse 39, the first part. Shortly after Mary conceived, she arose. Now, if you want to underline that that word arose, that means she stood up, which is interesting Because it's the same word in the Bible that is used of Jesus when he resurrected from the dead. And she wastes no time because she wants to take the news to somebody who would understand. Like, who's she going to go to? Right? Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm bearing the son of God. Like, I mean, you just don't tell people at the grocery store that. You got to tell somebody who would understand that. So why would Elizabeth understand? Well, first of all, her husband's a priest, so he should offer some light on that, right? They're both descendants of Aaron, if you study your text. And in other news, if anybody would understand what is happening to Mary, Elizabeth would. Now, let's look at the setting here, for example. It's in the hill country. Because Elizabeth and Zechariah lived there, a hilly region surrounding Jerusalem. And it's an unknown area. We just know that's where they were. And regardless of the location, it is believed that this would have been about a 50 to 70 mile trip that Mary made by herself. Now we ask, what are you doing? Why would you take uh, this trip on foot? Because if I do the math, which I'm not great at, if a person on foot could cover roughly 26 miles a day. This would have taken her about three to four days journey. And she's also pregnant. Now, Joseph's not with her either. All my ladies that are in the house, right, sometimes testify, you just got to get out and clear your head when the house gets crazy. Amen? You just got to leave crazy at home and you need to go shopping or whatever it is you do. So I think this is what Mary does. She's like, Joseph, there's something going on with us. I mean, this is big. I got to go and clear my head. So she takes this trip alone. It's believed that she takes this trip alone. 
so that she can ponder what Gabriel said to her. Because we know if you can't explain what's going on, then God didn't do it. And Mary knows that God did something big in her life and she can't explain it. So she goes to get alone with God. And maybe if God's doing something big in your life, you need to get alone with him. And you need to start looking at his word and seeing that maybe he's trying to tell you something. So here comes Elizabeth, right? So she looks at it, verse 40. And Mary being with Elizabeth shows a benefit of fellowship between believers. This is not like two people who are just friends coming together. These are two people who love the Lord and they're coming together and something is about to transpire and take place because that's what happens when God's people gather together. Where two or more are gathered, God shows up. And so the hearts of both these women of God needed to be encouraged. Elizabeth's a little older and she's having a baby, right? She's kind of worried about that. And Mary's going... This is, this is beyond me too. And remember, without this visit, Elizabeth might have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're told. And she was, and Mary might have never given us her song. Anonymous quote here. Happiness communicated doubles itself. Grief grows greater by concealing joy by expression. What's he saying? You need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to communicate to. You need somebody to have joy with. And that true joy of the Lord comes when the fellowship happens, when believers get together. We should always regard biblical communion, fellowship, with other believers as an important means of God's grace. J.C. Ryle said it like this. He said, it's a refreshing break in our journey along a narrow way to exchange an experience with a fellow traveler. It helps us and it helps them. Iron sharpens iron. So does the face of a man and his friend. We need reminding of this at Christmas time. There are people who fear the Lord, who think about his word, who study his word, but we often forget to speak to others. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 says, those who fear the Lord talked with each other. It's good not only to be in the house of God, it's good to be with you this morning. Because we know the joy of the Lord is in this place. First we seek the face of God, then we seek the face of God's friends. There's joy in biblical fellowship. <laughs> I talked to a guy the other day, he said, there's not a whole lot of joy in my church. I said, I don't, I don't mean this meanly, but maybe you're at the wrong church. And so here we see that there's, there's joy here. And if we did this more and we were joyful to see one another, if we're more careful about the company we keep, we would often know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul in Romans chapter uh, 1 verse 11 says very clearly, For I long to visit you, a pastor to his people, so that I can bring to you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Every time we gather here at the church on Sunday, we are imparting spiritual gifts to each other. And we're helping each other grow stronger in the Lord as we seek the Lord with, with all that we can. As we love the Lord God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we also love our neighbor as ourself. God's church grows. We mature. Everybody wins. When we get together, Paul says, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Notice the pastor's just not giving the sermon, but he's asking people to give the sermon back to him. This is huge and important. So many times we show up to church and we look at people and all we remember is problems. We look at people and all we see is pain. When really what we need to do is be more encouraging to others so that we can see the joy of the Lord manifest right in front of our eyes. 
Old commentator says, grief grows greater by concealing joy by expression. Only the meeting of the saints in heaven can parallel what's transpiring in the church. And only the meeting of the saints in heaven can parallel the meeting of what's happening with these two cousins. In other words, that old hymn rings true. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all get to heaven. When we all see Jesus, we'll experience the same fellowship with one another. And so that perhaps this is why Paul says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, and maybe you should practice this as we leave today, greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keep that joy to yourself, right? <laughs> Look. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. He continues. How to keep Christ at the center. Experience the joy that comes from other believers. Hopefully you're experiencing that here this morning as you're in this place. And then Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. She, she heard her voice. And as she heard her voice, those words traveled down into her belly. And the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, jump down to verse 44 because it essentially says the same thing. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, this is Elizabeth talking, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Well, what's transpiring here is they're full of the Holy Spirit. To keep Christ at the center of Christmas, you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Well, hold on a second. We know Elizabeth is excited to see Mary. Mary's excited to see Elizabeth, right? But the Bible highlights Elizabeth's baby, which is John the Baptist, maybe you know him, Leaped in her womb. It says it twice. Circle that word leap. It's associated with joy. For a six-month-old baby to leap or to move around or kick isn't unusual. But in this case, it's a miraculous thing because it's an expression of joy. John jumps for joy in the womb because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? John's entire family is full of the Holy Spirit. John is, Elizabeth is, Zechariah later will be in verse 67. And prior to Pentecost, and that's Acts 2, believers like these were filled with the Holy Spirit for a specific task. What's the task of Elizabeth here in the text? Here, the Holy Spirit makes Elizabeth aware of both Mary's pregnancy and who her baby was, Jesus, the Messiah. In other words, we believe that Elizabeth didn't even know that she was pregnant. In the, old, in the New Testament, the clothes are baggy, right? So you can't see this like you would see it in a normal everyday setting. And Elizabeth realizes what's transpiring here. You're carrying something. And as she's carrying this gift, she realizes what's happening. And this beautiful mingling of Elizabeth and Mary's lives before their children are born is a picture of God's grace upon his servants. Because it's a prophecy that was fulfilled uh, to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 verse 14. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. It's already starting. It's already happening. People are joyful about the birth of Christ. We're joyful about the second coming of Christ. You can't carry that joy if you don't know Jesus as your savior. That's how it works. Many of you know who God is. You have a belief of the existence of God, but you haven't repented of your sin, confessed of that sin, trusted that Christ's blood on the cross covers your sin and enter into a relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus. You're too busy looking at Jesus as a condemnation instead of a salvation. Jesus isn't condemning you. He's standing at the door knocking on your heart. And when he knocks on your heart, you have the choice whether to open that and receive that salvation or you slam that door back on him and you accept your own condemnation. That's how it works. 
And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, here comes the joy. Here comes the filling. Here comes the completeness. J. Vernon McGee says this. He says, what we're dealing with here is miraculous. When you come to know Christ, that's miraculous. No use trying to offer natural explanation. Man, Pastor Jordan, you're real wound up. No use trying to offer natural explanation. You either believe this or you don't. You either believe this is true or you don't. I'm so wary of people today, and I love what he says here, especially preachers. Preachers, you got to be careful with them, man. You try to appear intellectual by attempting to explain away the miracles in the Bible. You either accept the miracles of the Bible or you don't. What took place here in these verses is a miracle. This woman is filled with the Holy Spirit, and a baby leaps in her womb. Now, what's the connotation for us today? Well, if you don't know Jesus, accept Christ. Confess your sins, repent of those sins, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Believers... Those of us who have done that are commanded to be filled then, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's experience here is different. It's like Peter in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, when he's about to preach. Pre-Pentecost, Holy Spirit fills for a specific purpose. Post-Pentecost, when the Spirit is given to us, it indwells within us. We're the new temple. We're the new tabernacle through faith in Christ, and then he fills us. How? Still asking that question. It is only when one is completely yielded, allowing the Holy Spirit to occupy every part of their life, will they be full. Here's the problem. We come to Jesus. We confess our sin. We repent of that sin. We believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved. And we're saying, but you can't see the corners of my life. I'll give you, I'll give you my life, but, but accept that one little piece, that one little part. And God says, how am I supposed to work if you can't give me all of it? It's like giving your kids a toy for Christmas that takes batteries, and you put the batteries in your back pocket, and you watch them squirm, which would be really fun, actually, thinking about that. And they say, where's the batteries? Where's the batteries? And you're like, oh, I don't know. You got to have something more. You need to be completely surrendered here. Only when one is completely yielded, allowing the Holy Spirit to occupy every part of their life is when real fruit is manifested. And maybe, just maybe, you're not experiencing the joy of being a follower of Jesus Christ because you have not fully yielded every area over to him. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Sin will hinder the filling of the Holy Spirit, but obedience to God, his word, his will, and his ways is where that filling will be manifested. It is only in our full obedience to God's command does the Holy Spirit freely work. When we sin, we immediately confess that sin. We renew our commitment to the Lord and his people. We are filled and we are led through complete obedience submission. What is the one area right now that you are not completely 100% submitted to? in your relationship with the Lord. He continues. Verse 42. And she exclaims with a loud cry. He's like, women, ah! (laughs) I just hear it. That's that's what I hear in my head every time I see this. Every time I'm like, oh my goodness! (laughs) Zechariah, Mary's here! Never mind, you can't talk. (laughs) All right. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) So funny. All right. 
she says it real serious. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. She's so excited for her. I can just see her like tears running down her face. But here, Elizabeth pauses for a second. I love her humility here in verse 43. Why is this granted to me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on a second. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's blown away here. Jump down to 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what is spoken to her. The key word in that passage of Scripture is belief. Mary believed. Elizabeth believed. And they considered it joy because they were humble. They were what we call blessed in the faith. So look at this. you got three ways to keep Jesus at the center of Christmas. There's other believers. There's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's knowing that you're blessed in the faith and the trust Elizabeth is joyfully filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaims with a loud cry. This is the exact same if you've been here the past couple of weeks, exact same cry that John the Baptist has in John chapter 1, verse 23. Elizabeth, who she doesn't even know that Mary is pregnant, learns it now and says that Mary is blessed. That word blessed, underlined that, means she's specially privileged among women. Now, in Hebrew culture, okay, what's happening and transpiring here in the text A woman's status is based solely on her kids. Her significance in society is directly tied to her kids' significance. So when a woman wants to honor Mary, she calls out to her son. When does this happen? Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Blessed is the womb that bore you, speaking to Jesus, and the breast in which you nursed. Elizabeth's point is that Mary is blessed... Because she would bear God's son. 100% God, 100% man. And although Gabriel told Zechariah their son would be great, Elizabeth realized that Mary's son would be greater. (laughs) The fruit of the womb, underline that there, is a common figure of speech for for, for children in the Old Testament, but it's only used here in the New Testament. Only time that we see it in the text. So what are we getting at? Well, first of all, let's talk about this blessed Mary. Nowhere in scripture does Jesus or anyone else give Mary praise or glory or adoration. So before you start to worship Mary, that's not what we're doing here. Elizabeth's praise is based on the blessing of giving birth to the Messiah. She is not glorifying Mary in the text. As a matter of fact, we know this because after the interaction, Mary gives a song of praise to the Lord. She praises his mindfulness to humble her and his mercy and his faithfulness. As Jesus' earthly mother, we can respect Mary, absolutely, 100%. But she is not worthy of our worship. Nowhere in the Bible do we see Mary can hear our prayers or mediate to God for us. Jesus is our advocate. He is our mediator in heaven. If anyone offered worship or adoration or prayers to Mary, she would say the same thing that the angel said in Revelation 19, verse 10. You worship God. I point you to the living God. Worship him. Mary sets an example for us. She directs her worship, her adoration and praise to God. And as she is blessed, you too can be blessed. Luke chapter uh, 1, verse 46 says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
This is how we come to Christ. By being mindful that God in his love humbled us to come to him. From now on, all generations, yes, they'll call me blessed, but the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name, pointing us to a relationship with God through faith in Christ. How do we know this? Because she's at the feet of the cross. Blessed is Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, if you underline in verse 43 the word Lord, it often described Jesus, but it has a double meaning. While Gentiles hadn't been awaiting for a Messiah, the Jews had. So when Elizabeth uses the word Lord to translate Yahweh, the living God, the name in the Old Testament for God, Elizabeth knows that God is present here in this place. And she uses the word the Lord, which is a tremendous affection, an affirmation of Christ being God. One who has power and authority over us. Now watch this. Elizabeth isn't worshiping Mary. She is filled with the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose to worship God for sending his one and only son. This is exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but the Holy Spirit, but by the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what? Just as the Lord comes to Elizabeth, he comes to you. And the question on the table is, what do you do with it? Every year, Christmas comes around. Every year, the pews are full. Every year, we ask the same question. Who is Christ to you? For the babies, come. He's here. He lived. He died. Your calendars are marked by it. The evidence is clear. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are things that God did that are unexplainable, but the reality of those things are right in front of our face. And so you have to ask yourself a question. What do you do with it? Either you slam the door back on God or you open it and you receive him. Homer used to use the word blessed to describe wealthy men. Plato used the word blessed of one who is successful in business. Both men in that culture spoke of Greek gods being happy within themselves because they were unaffected by the world of men who were subject to poverty, disease, weakness, misfortune, and death. So what? Just as Mary and Elizabeth were blessed because of belief, we also share in that same blessing through the same belief. Mary believes. Elizabeth believes. What do you believe? To have a relationship with God through belief in Christ is only where we find true inward contentedness, not affected by the circumstances of this world. This is the happiness that God desires for his children, a state of joy and well-being that doesn't depend on temporary circumstances. This is the blessing of being at home with God until his second coming. So you study this. You looked at this. Elizabeth, Mary, you look at these, these, these women and their faith. And I ask the question, do you know about this precious faith? Do you access this precious faith daily? We can never rest until we know it by faith. And when we do know it, we can never cease to pray that our faith would constantly grow exceedingly. Don't start, don't, don't wait to start until next year to have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Don't wait until next year 
to say, oh, I'm, I'm, January 1st, I'm going to start growing in my relationship with God. You could do it now. As the saints are gathered here, J.C. Ryle says, better a thousand times to be rich in faith than rich in gold. Gold will be worthless. The presents under the tree will pass. I hate to tell you that, but they will. What a huge bummer that is. Pastor Jordan, you are wrecking my Christmas. Good. Gold will be worthless in the unseen world to which we are all traveling. Faith will be owed, owned in that world before God the Father and the holy angels and when the great white throne is set and the books are opened and when the dead are called from their graves and receiving their final sentence, the value of faith will be at length fully known. We long for that day. What a day of rejoicing that will be. John chapter 20, verse 29 says, Blessed are they, you, that have not seen, and yet you still believe. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we have uh, gathered here today, Christmas time. And it's true as we just prayed, our minds are busy. And we're busy thinking about the things that we have to do and the things that we need to get accomplished and the things that need done. Even right now, we're thinking about lunch and we're thinking about all the things that have to take place and all the things that have to be done in order for us to feel complete. And we ask for your forgiveness for we have not settled on being complete in Christ. And for those who are far from you, God, would they come to know you, repent of their sin, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who are here this morning who know you as Lord and Savior, may we find joy in the fellowship of the saints. May we find joy in being present here together. We may find joy in passing the peace of Christ that rules our hearts to one another. Would you help us, God, to make this a constant in our life? And God, we ask that you would help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we exit this year and move into the next. By being completely surrendered to you, your word, your will, and your ways. Help us, God, as we strive to eliminate the grasp that we have, as we've said week after week, on this world. And may we cling to the truths that are contained in your word, the promises that we know to be true. The promises of scripture that constantly continue to prove themselves true. And in our relationship with you, God, I ask that you would help us to realize how blessed we really truly are. And may we find our, our, our contentment in our relationship with Christ. As Mary travels this great distance, God, and she is reminded over and over with every step that she takes how great you are. She's reminded every step that she takes how wonderful you are. She sees you in all areas of her life. Would you illuminate our eyes to the same things? Open up our ears to the same truths. Help us to walk faithfully in our relationship with you, knowing that it is the only relationship that causes us to truly experience love 
be filled with joy and be at peace. God, we long for the day that you will come back again soon. And until that day, we ask that you would find us completely submitted and humbly acknowledging that your ways are greater than our ways and your truths are greater than our truths as we strive to continue to conform to the image of Christ. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.